You're listening to the City Lights Equipping Podcast, where we are helping you identify your next step in exalting Jesus and extending the kingdom of heaven right where you are. If this podcast encourages or challenges you, please leave us feedback on our iTunes channel and share on your social media to help more people discover the very same things that are stirring you in your walk with the Lord. Hello and welcome to the City Lights Equipping Podcast designed to help you take your next step towards Christ together with us. And I'm joined by my host, co-host. My name is Christopher Allen Armfield. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Today we're going to be talking about a topic of worship. We're going to be, for the summer at least, following along with the sermon series, Believe in the Book of John, um, unless we have different special sermon topics, and just, just chewing on those things and talking about... Um, what God's been saying to us through his word, through the book of John. Mm-hmm. And uh, today, we're going to be following up on your sermon from last Sunday that was focused on worship, or the Greek word proskunio, which is a fancy word for worship. And so I just thought we'd start off talking about, um, you know, maybe not God worship, but, you know, close there too, we can absolutely, I guess in the way of idols, love or or devote or follow, mm-hmm. you know, different celebrities or different culture cultural icons, um, or even idols. You mean American Idol literally has the word in it. Chris, what are some of the things that uh, you grew up watching? What were some of the things that you grew up uh, loving to to follow growing up as a kid? Well, watching... I definitely was a sports fan. I worked at a baseball card store, and I loved collecting all the memorabilia. And so from, like, I don't know, 85 to, like, 95... I had every baseball card, literally every baseball card, every yeah. brand, every baseball card. And then I got into football cards and basketball cards, and I realized the value of those things. And so that was, I think, a healthy obsession. You know, it taught me discipline, taught me money and the value of things. I also loved fishing. Oh. That was really fun. And when you said watch, I didn't know I was that thinking, about you. Oh, man, I fished every day. I'd That's actually so golf, cool. walk the golf Wish course, walk the golf course every day of the summer and play golf, 18 holes. And then when the sun was going down, I'd go fish at the golf course every, literally every day in the summer. Very fun. But when you said watch, I actually thought about The Simpsons. I watched Simpsons. I wasn't allowed to, but I would somehow find an ability, find a way to watch The Simpsons. So that's something that I definitely, uh, it was like a guilty pleasure, literally guilty because I was breaking the family rules. Right. And I think I loved it. I think that's a pretty common rite of passage that parents, most parents I feel like had reservations about Bart and The Simpsons. And I feel like every kid kind of stayed up or went to a friend's house to go watch it. Same thing with Beavis and Butthead. It's always that kind of like tweener thing. One thing you (laughs) mentioned about baseball cards is like, one, I feel like we're so image driven and it's just like on, we can just get pictures at a glance. And I feel like kids miss the like awesomeness of getting a baseball card that had a picture because pictures were just scarce back then. And so to have a picture of you know Mark McGuire, whoever it was, yeah. and the bubble gum that would come with it, that cheap like oh man, sugar I, I had eaten gum. like seven year old gum because I would buy vintage packs when like ninety one, I'd buy packs from eighty five, and it was a hard pe- the gum would literally shatter like crack and shatter, um, <laughs> literally, and it would be fun to watch it, and I'd still eat every little little speck of it. Ugh. When you mention uh, love and worship, though, well, how about you, man? I bet yeah. I can guess what yours is, but what what did you grow up loving slash worshiping in a you know, maybe irreverent way, but also like in a potentially healthy way is like a goal for you. What was that? Who was that? Yeah. Et cetera. I grew up wishing that I was a 6'6", bald African-American basketball player. I wished that I could play and be and walk and talk like Mike. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be like Mike. He is the best, man. 
Yep. It just had this. I mean, it was great because when you when you go to see movies, like movies are not like real life because movies always end happily, and you know the conclusion, and though the hero can be down for a time, you know the hero will rise up. And like, mm. and when you watch sports for any amount of time in realistic sports, other than Mike, you know every team has its ups and downs, but Mike just always ended up on top. At least that's the way we remember so, him, always on top. It just, and, and that's right. Potentially he did. It's the way but, we want to remember him. Right. It is the way we remember him, but that, it was easy. I think a lot of people, I mean, still revere and worship Michael Jordan. I mean, he's still the yeah. brand standard comparison for anybody who does anything successful in the National Basketball Association. You consistently ask the question, well, what, how did Mike do? What number did he get? How often times did he do it? He's still like the... He's the brand standard. So if, if he is the one we worship, we still compare anything of excellence and say, was it is that good? You yeah. Know? So he, it's, it, is, it is similar. It almost gives us a hook into spiritual worship and eternal worship, and, and there is comparison games and measurements, et cetera. So it's just interesting that Michael Jordan was your thing. And I just think we didn't really know too much about those athletes who wasn't social media, so he just had a, an aura. Oh, an for era, sure. Aura, is that the right word? An aura, yeah. yeah. And a persona that, like, he just had it all together right which, you know which of course if you read some of the biographies i guess maybe not correct uh you know all the time but definitely a fantastic basketball player but we do we do want to talk about worship and that's a great segue um you know worship as you said on sunday um is the fuel for everything that we do mm-hmm. and proscunio the verb there the greek word um represents a posture not only a posture of of in the moment, but in life, which you you talked about, not in a degrading, dehumanizing way, but in a way of just saying the same way that a, a dog would befriend its owner and learn to cherish that owner and to bow down was the posture mm-hmm. in front of that owner and lick the master's hand. And so it is, we position ourselves like that in that analogy towards towards the Lord, um, who who is our owner. He mm-hmm, is the owner mm-hmm. of everything on earth, n- notwithstanding our life and our time and our money and everything that we have um, ultimately is his, even the breath that we breathe. And so worship is the response that we have. But um, if you guys were not there on Sunday, would love to um, play just a quick clip from that sermon on Sunday that talked about worship. Uh, this is Chris talking about it last Sunday. So God, our Father, is the kind of God who comes up and finds us and talks with us and sees us. And Jesus talked about his father and and said, my father is seeking worshipers who will worship in spirit and truth. And now is the time when people will worship in spirit and truth. What Jesus was saying is this, if you want to understand what it looks like for glory to reign on earth, for heaven to be on earth, as he prayed, Father, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does it look like to be on earth As heavenly people, I'm a heavenly person. So are you. Not just spatially like someday, but right now. What does it look like for heaven to be on earth? Jesus said it looks like being worshipers. You know, it's interesting. Jesus points to belief. John points to belief. But he's talking about a belief that changes everything. Not just a belief that is intellectualism and knowledge. I... I, Listen, I understand that this message might be described as base and like elementary, but I I don't see a graduate course in the scriptures. I just don't. I don't see believer, worshiper, teacher, instructor. Those things are part of things, but worship is the fuel for all gifts. Worship is the fuel for every posture. Worship is the fuel for every action that we do. In fact, that's what I could point to and say, when Jesus lived the perfect life, he lived a perfect life of worship unto God as well. You know that going to the cross was a worship posture for him. 
the night before he died on the cross, you know, he was, it says that he was proskuneo. He, well, he, he was down on his knees crying and weeping and talking with his God, his father. So I just, I just ask you as I close right now and our, our band leads us, this is a conversation that's the most important person to have it with is the Holy Spirit. For me, now I, I've already been doing this this morning. I'll do it again afresh right now when I sit down in just a moment. But what would it look like for each one of us to just say, Holy Spirit, is there a gap between possibility and proactivity in my belief. Maybe you say, God, Holy Spirit, would you show me if there's a gap between my willingness to be a worshiper? Guys, it's not, I do think too often in the church, we've, uh, we've tied like lifting hands or kneeling to personality. I'm more of an inward processor kind of thing. Heaven, when, when Jesus is glorified and there's nothing left, we won't have a personality divide of people who are kneeling and standing. It's just, it's just silly, guys. I'm just saying, it's just silly. So I just, I just want to say, like, the whole narrative of, like, that's not how I worship. Um, not, it's not me saying, like, all right, so you all need to be standing and kneeling. It just, it's just, it's really quite easy to do something physically because it's true, even if you don't necessarily feel like you're wired to be a, a kneeler. There's never an account of this guy being a foot kisser. But it's the very first fruit. So I was there, of course, right there in the front row, and one of the things that wasn't even in the sermon uh, clip that we just played was this moment where you actually did kind of prostrate yourself on the stage and hung on to that moment. I talked to you afterwards, and I know that you weren't doing that for effect. You genuinely were in just a worship moment. It was so good just to celebrate that mm. and put that on the stage. I mean, that's a really powerful thing of all the things we do on the stage. That's, that was a great way just to honor, I feel like, and glorify God. And you went on to just talk about how uh, worship really shouldn't be circumstantial. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, I mean, I don't think that's exactly the word that you use, but that's right. what I put on it. That's the way that I would label it in the clip that you just played, yeah. or we just played. I heard you just talking about a lot of times we're waiting for something to happen that would incite our worship. Mm-hmm. And you really changed that paradigm. Talk to us uh, mm-hmm. now about... Um, as a pastor, as a friend, sure. as a father, doing ministry for 20 years and following the Lord for even longer than that, um, you know, what do you think is that becomes barriers to proscunio? Okay, mm-hmm. so obviously we could talk about what that looks like to bow down in front of the master or lay down prostrate, but tell me about why so many of us don't become like the blind man. What keeps us from that posture? Mm-hmm. What is it that you think um, mm-hmm. is our is our enemy or our barrier for getting to the place of spirit and truth worship? Yeah, I appreciate that question. Uh, and I think it's, I think it's really, I think it's a really important question for us. You know, this is one of the beauties of the equipping podcast. We're able to talk not necessarily time, but sometimes quality. We can talk a little bit longer or deeper, uh, or more practical on a equipping podcast. And so the word circumstantial is really a byproduct of you and I kind of batting that around. I think we threw out a few terms. One was uh, worship, you know, tends to look more situational. I worship on Sunday. I worship on Thursday. I worship when I, mm. uh, and it's tied to something that, like you, I think just mentioned. I worship when I'm invoked to worship, or I, right. I worship when I'm uh, something catalyzes me. So it, it is circumstantial, meaning like I worship when, or situational. I worship when, and a lot of times in both of those cases, it's preferential. Uh, potentially at times, as I mentioned in the in the sermon, it's even based on, uh, like, we excuse ourselves from worship or response right. based on personality. Mm-hmm. And I would say beneath, you know, we're, we're about getting the root of things. I'd actually say we're justifying the kind of response to God 
or participation corporately or privately as worshipers based on our emotions. Yeah. And whether I feel it or not. So at City Lights, if you're not familiar, one of our core values is exalt. And there's three words under exalting Jesus. And the three words are this, to seek, to saturate, and then surrender. What we mean by that is we seek truth um, by the scriptures, led by the Holy Spirit, revelation of God. And we saturate in those truths that are absolute and unchanging. Mm. And then we surrender our everything to that. Potentially, at the end of that surrender, mm. there may be an emotional response. Like, mm. I'm happy I know this. Or my, I, I, I feel different about myself. There may be an emotion or something mm-hmm. you feel that is different. But I don't seek truth because I feel feel like it. I seek truth because it's who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I would wow. say, I'd like to start by saying this. The myth is this, that worship is situational. Mm-hmm. The myth is that worship is circumstantial. Or the myth is that worship is based on whether I feel it or not. Or, or and I'll talk about it in a Sunday context, mm-hmm. uh, and, or even personality. Like, I'm not a worshiper who, which we'll talk more about, like, what is a worshiper? Because it's really essential in John 4 and, and with the blind man. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that uh, we tend to do our City Lights value of exalt. We do it. But here's mm-hmm. what I think it looks like. And listen, podcast listener, I'm not browbeating you. I just, listen, I'm one of us. Uh, we're all the same kind of people. We all need Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I'm a pastor, and I've watched people, and I've looked at myself. I've attended services before, and I, I was seeking Mm-hmm. seeking to be moved by a call to worship. I was yeah. seeking to be moved by artwork. I was seeking to be moved by a sermon. I was being, I was seeking to be moved by the song choice. Mm-hmm. And if that thing that somebody did moved me, then I would saturate, not in the truth, bro, mm-hmm. in the emotion I felt about the truth. Wow. And I'm glad about it because it's all in church. It's religious. It's spiritual. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be surrendered to feeling good that what I was seeking pacified, you know, being pacified, being inspired, whatever, made me feel good. And I walk out surrendered to that. Yeah. It's all a myth. Mm-hmm. And so I do hear people leave a church and, and, they, and the question is, how was church today? And they'll go, mm-hmm. hmm. And their hmm is based on, was I moved? Yeah. Was the situation, was the circumstance, was the song moving to me? And I just want to say that it's literally a contrasting opposite. That's a kingdom of darkness. And it, you are literally prone to whatever you tie you're worshiped to in that way. And, mm. you know, you, and then like worship leaders and pastors, we're not those, but some feel tied to please the people and they just got to sing the song the certain way and preach a certain way and be funny. As long as I'm funny, people will get what they want here. They need to laugh. They need something light. That's not enough. Yep. It's, and the reason we don't do it is because it's not going to genuinely help you and it doesn't draw you into Christ, which leads to the truth of trust, Oliver, mm. which is contrasting, which is Jesus said, the truth to trust about worship is worship is spirit led by the Holy Spirit, and it is invisible. It's not a feeling, mm-hmm. and it's truth, which is defined in the scriptures and the revelation that God brings with his presence and in, in reality. So obviously I get pretty stirred up about this, mm-hmm. but it, I really think it's significant. I do feel like it is a significant diagnostic yeah. and a deficiency in the church where we've based whether I am a worshiper. Yep. I think everybody at City Lights was a believer Sunday, mm-hmm. but I also would go on the record not in a judgmental way, but I don't think they were all worshipers. And if you're interested, I can give you a little more clarity if you want to ask about some clarity of that because I have language for it. But yeah. that's my first response to that question. Um, that's my first stab at it. I hear you just saying that we have an opportunity to worship sometimes in spite of our feelings right. and in spite of our circumstances. Right. That's a powerful platform of response that I'm, I think would change almost everything in every moment of life, yeah. deciding to worship, whether we feel like it or not, deciding to worship as a decision. Um, and Isn't I guess, that... I guess one question, I, sure. I mean, I would, I would follow okay. up on that is, is, 
you know, okay, if I'm if I'm walking out on that truth to trust today, and I'm okay, I'm realizing that the Holy Spirit is within me, and mm-hmm. the truest thing in the in the in the world to do is to worship according to that Spirit mm-hmm. uh, that we're talking about. That's John four, of course. Um, is is to is to worship if I feel like feel like it or don't. If I'm walking out on that, um, what do I? What do I do? Because I don't want to be religious. Sure. I don't want to just go through the motions and kind of fake it till I make it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there is mm. a genuine sense of I don't want to be religious. I don't want to be action oriented without having a heart for worship. What do you? Mm. What do you preach to yourself, or what do you tell yourself, or what do you tell friends or people you love, or people you pastor mm-hmm. um, that are struggling with not mm. quote feeling it, and right. what what right. They, what should they do? Is it, you know, that's a great question. And listen, both of these questions you asked, Oliver, mm-hmm. let, me be, let me just be straightforward. This is real. These are real things. Like, this is not the spiritual elite or there's people immune from this. I struggle with these things, you know, and am I the same on a Sunday as I am on a Monday or Tuesday on my day off? I mean, these are things I have to ask myself. Am I a worshiper in all those settings? So mm-hmm. I, as, as I sit here... Yeah, I've been a vocational full-time pastor for 20 years, so I have observations of others, but I have observations from my life, too, and that's really what I represent, and then mm. I can, I think they get validated when I do life with other people. I go, oh, you too. Mm. Derek Prince, uh, he's he's dead and gone, but he's written some great material, great te- Bible teacher, mm. not Joseph Prince on the TV. I'm not, I'm not oh, saying yeah, anything yeah. against him, but Derek mm. Prince is just somebody different, just same last name. Mm. But he said, um, worship is a, isn't essentially an utterance, like uh, saying, have a blessed day, mm. Uh, it's not choosing to only listen to worship music versus 93.7 or a secular station. Mm. It, it's it's not um, being at church and singing loud and raising hands. Okay, Worship's an attitude. Mm. It's not essentially an utterance, meaning something you do. Yeah, It's an attitude of who you are. Mm. And so when we talk about, you and I just, um, pronounce this Greek word a little bit differently, which is totally fine. <laughs> no, which sure is totally I'm fine. So, so proskuneo right. yeah. is what I say, yeah. but it's fine, or whatever you said it as too. It's great. We're not, um, you know, we don't have to be Greek scholars. Uh, that is something that a, so the Greek word in John 4 does describe a proskuneo, like God is seeking worshipers, mm. but a, that word worshipers is a different word than proskuneo. Same root, but it's somebody who adores. So I'm an adorer. Yeah. So that's saying he's seeking people who are this. Your mm. attitude is a worshiper. Mm. So the blind man, let me just talk about this John 9 passage for a moment. The blind man did not do a proskuneo, face down worship moment, but he was a worshiper. Here's why I know. When he interacted with the religious synagogue and the Pharisees, he didn't have a worship. He had an attitude, but he just talked, but he didn't have an opportunity to lay his life down yet because that's not where worship was due. Mm. With his family, he was losing his family. His family's outcasting him. He didn't yield himself to them and say, please don't throw me out. Please don't throw me out. He became an outcast all over the place. And yet he didn't know the Messiah yet. He wasn't accepted by Messiah. He wasn't saved. And when he finally, Jesus actually comes to him. Jesus says, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the guy. You know, mm. I'm the number one. I'm the one who put mud on your face. I'm the guy. Jesus doesn't command him to worship. Jesus doesn't tell him to do anything. The man says, I believe, which is an attitude. And then he proskuneos. Then he demonstrates the belief. Wow. It's not an utterance, I believe, was not enough. The attitude was represented in the action. And so I agree with you. There's a religiosity of 
here's what I'm doing, here's what I'm doing, here's what I'm mm -hmm. doing. That's not what we're talking about, Proskineo. My desire for this Sunday is not for everybody to have their hands up because they listen to this podcast. My desire for everybody is that they would come in knowing that I don't have to say a word on stage about Jesus being resurrected from the dead and the holder of our salvation, giver of our salvation. But when I do, yeah. they're not deciding whether that is very valuable to them or not right now, whether they feel like it's important or whether they feel like that was essential 30 years ago, they're going, oh my God, thank you. Now that sounded personalities, I'd change my voice, but mm. that is so important. Mm. You know, practically, I don't always feel like serving my family. Mm -hmm. I don't always feel emotionally motivated to go and have a hard conversation with my children to correct them. Mm -hmm. I don't always feel feel like humbling myself because I was a, a mean, impatient person at home. But I do all those. Mm. Why? Because I love my family. I belong to them and they belong to me. Mm. No, you do it because you have to. No, I don't do it because I have to. I do it because I genuinely believe that God's way is the right way. I've been practicing it for 20 years and it's better than the right way. It's, it's the end all. Mm. So I know I'm saying a lot, but when Derek Prince said, it's, a, it's not essentially an utterance like in church that we all just kind of acquiesce and say these things unemotionally is not what he's saying. But if you wait for your emotions to feel something, we're too different. That's the reality that worshipers, worship is not about a personality because at least in heaven, you know, the proximity someday when we all die and we're risen with Christ, everybody will be kneeling. Everybody will joyfully be singing. We still have personality, but we all agree on value in mm. heaven. And at this point in life, some people define value differently. And that's okay, I think. You mm. know, I think that's okay. Personality, yeah. I, you know, I, I find God more in nature than I do in a right. movie theater. I, that, I, that's cool. I'm not, I would never challenge that. But for you to not have, for you to not respond is part, partly attitude, which then points to belief. If you believe something is true, it's already true right now in heaven and on earth. So your attitude be, should be such as one surrendered to it rather than waiting to be... And we are a culture that just waits to get stimulated. What's the next high? What's the next thing? What's the... You know, I'm going to get excited when when I have a drink, when I have this girl, when I have that, when I get this money, then I'll be excited for... And goodness gracious, people, myself included, we're tying our joy to these things that will rise and fall and then our emotions rise and fall. And then we look at God and go, I'm not sure you're involved. And it's just, the whole indictment, the, the whole thing should be indicted as just yeah. like a fully false narrative and uh, meant to fail. Yeah. I mean, I think of my kids as we talk about this conversation. We have, I have four kids, and I guess one of them is, is just a wee little babe. But the three kids absolutely are in the place of deciding, making their own choices, mm -hmm. having their own freedom. And it's just interesting. Not one of them is any better or worse at, at this particular thing of like, worship or let's even just say thankfulness just mm -hmm. the overall ideal of like oh wow like life's a gift it's not something that i've i've earned or, or received for myself but it's just something that god has given me um you can definitely see in any different circumstances the decisions that your children make right. or that people around you decide to make about the way they're in, you know interpreting their environment you know like we'll go out and play soccer on a given saturday and you know the one kid will score uh, a goal and the other kid won't score a goal but mm -hmm. for some reason for whatever reason i don't know they're learning in their own growth and maturity as we are um mm -hmm. that on that day they decided to be thankful and they decided to be worship and you can tell out of that and downstream from mm. that decision came more joy and more peace and more like security mm. and the other one you know potentially and i'm thinking of specific i don't want to name by names but could score a goal and or 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 win the game and then still have a reason to complain about right. the ref or complain about whatever and i just mm. think what you're saying is that 
it's not the being problem, it's the seeing problem. Yep. And, and the glasses that we wear and yes. the way that we interpret events, yes. uh, we d- thankfulness and worship is a choice, ultimately mm-hmm. speaking, mm-hmm. in spirit and truth. And mm-hmm. ultimately, it's a choice when you say spirit and truth because of who we are mm-hmm. is a choice that's ultimately already decided. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we will worship. And so we have really the choice to be who we're supposed to, who we are created to be, right. or the choice to act outside of that true yes. true narrative. Yeah, it's really great points you just mm. made. I, I mean, it just that's really clear. I appreciate you bringing it down even to a child's level mm. because we, sent, we, te- we tend to listen to children's stories and go, oh, isn't that sweet? And yet Jesus was so wise to say, like, you see what they're doing? They got it. They yeah. get it, you know? And you're right. You know, somebody could win the game and still find a reason to complain. Right. And somebody could lose the game and be thankful because their joy wasn't tied to the the rise and fall of winter loss, but the something else, you know, something in that, deeper, something something, something else, something deeper in that regard, which is so so very important. I do think potentially for the Christian church, if you're listening to this and you're not a follower of Christ or you're not involved actively at a church, this doesn't pertain to you as much. But for Christians, I believe before we walk in the door, we've decided what we're going to do that day. Yeah. Now those who are those who are waiting to be stoked by something, um, you may have found a church that is agreeing to offer that up <laughs> and keep you happy. Yeah. Um, and I, listen, I don't, I know I can push in some buttons, but um, you know, that's part of family. We, we want to yep. stir up stagnation. That's part of what we do. So I do think like when I enter for me, city lights on a Sunday, my joy is not tied to how the sermon goes. I'm as a professional, I'm prepping and I'm thinking of the audience, but more than anybody, I'm thinking about Christ mm-hmm. and representing his message well and representing his kingdom well and whether that moves people or not, and whether they get emotionally excited about it or not, yep. is not where my joy is tied. It used to be. I will confess that. That was a struggle. Yep. Did I like hearing feedback? Did I like seeing tears? Did I like seeing people rise in that moment? Yes. But you know what I found when the people were really excited on that Sunday or Wednesday or Thursday or whatever? They, their emotions were tied to something else the sure. next day. Sure. And, and, and they were like, I can't wait to get back to Sunday. And it made me really concerned. And, and then I felt more pressure. Like, I got to make sure I stoke their fire. Wow. But I just can say now, because of the work that Christ is doing, I don't go in on a Sunday with an expectation to please people or to raise their emotions. Now, my emotions get raised when I hear truth, uh, when I read truth on the scriptures, on the screen with scriptures or a call to worship or song lyric or the scripture read or application or testimony. I mean, I can't help but get emotional because that is what I thirst for. Mm. That's what I'm hungry for. So when I hear it, I go, oh, that's a good meal. Oh, that's a good taste. I decided ahead of time what I celebrate. Yeah. I decided ahead of time where my emotion gets greatest. And again, it's not a personality or anything, but I have decided, as for me and my house, mm. I'll rejoice about the things that heaven rejoices about, yeah. whether I feel like it or not. Yeah. If somebody else, you know, recently somebody was was handed a several thousand dollar check, no strings attached at our, our church. church. Yeah. And you know how many of us in the church either think we have a need for that or would have liked that to be us. And we had an opportunity to be thankful and celebrate for that person or to say, woe sure. is me, why doesn't that happen to me? And I guarantee... I didn't. I don't even want to ask it, but I I know that people responded in those different ways, uh, just based on history. Not that event, but based on history, we catch a lot of the woe is me's, mm-hmm. and we see a couple of the I'm so excited for. And listen, I I don't hear I'm so excited for just from wealthy financial people in that moment. I hear it from people who have an attitude of worship and mm-hmm. says. My Father in Heaven knows how to provide good gifts for people who need it, and some who don't even need it. Yeah. That's an attitude thing. Uh, that's a that's a belief that hasn't. So the blind man. What I want to say about the blind man earlier, I said it, but it's worth saying again. The first opportunity he had to be a worshiper, mm-hmm. he worshipped. Mm. 
Why? Because he was a worshiper and no one equipped him to be such. But because his life was changed, mm. his deepest needs were met, he lost everything he had and the first opportunity he had to worship. He decided what it was appropriate. Fell to the ground. Mm -hmm. Fell to the ground and, and kissed the feet of Jesus and stayed who knows how long. Jesus mm -hmm. didn't come in. All Jesus said, I'm that guy, and he fall. I believe in you, and I fall. I mean, it's just... So, I mean, I, that would be the question I'd ask. Uh, city uh, Podcast listener, um, when is, are you looking for an opportunity to respond to the goodness of God? If you are, then when the sun rises, you have a reason. When wind blows, you have a reason. When you wake up and have air in your lungs, you have a reason. That's what I'm seeing, Oliver, for yep. people. You say, what's a trend, Chris, for attitude people are believers? I'd go, worshipers find reasons to respond to God in every moment of life. Worshipers mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. Believers don't necessarily. But Jesus didn't come to make believers. He came to make followers. Uh, invite followers and fathers looking for worshipers. Followers learn and they grow in their ability to worship and they're yeah. just looking for an opportunity to pour it out, you know? I would say the same thing. I mean, if your heart's beating right now, if you've got breath to breathe, uh, now is a moment to worship and I'm saying That's that to right. myself That's or right. to anybody else. Yeah. Uh, now, right now, even in your car, in your iPhone earbuds or whatever, now's the time to 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 worship, which essentially is so much more than just a song or an utterance, but what you're saying is mm -hmm. a complete mindset and an attitude. That's Life right. Life is a gift. Yes. God is generous. God is doing great things. And if it's not great yet, it's not over yet. And there's, yes. there's, he's, you know, so we're going to worship for the things that he's done. And yes. we're also going to worship in our waiting for the things he's about to do. Mm -hmm. And we have, we are the, we have the opportunity and we're the only one who gets to make the decisions to put on the the vision and the the, the eyeglasses I guess mm -hmm. the vision for 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 worship and mm -hmm. thankfulness so a couple of areas of life you might consider today in considering what your next step is um, in this area of proskuneo of worship um, maybe hobbies could be a place maybe um, another one is uh, friends relationships marriage family uh, all of us have these of course and last is is work all those are areas for worship. Did you know that hobbies um, are a significant way that we worship? Mm -hmm. One of the things that I'll tell youth in, in youth group that struggle with loving themselves, so often I think we can love others and love God and understand that through biblical lens, but I think we live, leave out that command of loving others. I think we struggle to love ourselves, because, or loving ourselves rather. We struggle to love ourselves because we fail to understand that God loves us. And I, I, I really feel this, Chris, to be true. I feel like people that understand the love of God for them, one of the symptoms of that is hobbies. Because mm -hmm. it's creating something, it's enjoying something for its own sake, mm -hmm. even if nobody... Uh, applauds it, if nobody sees it, if nobody else enjoys it other than me, I'm doing something just because I am, just mm -hmm. because I'm a son, just because I'm a daughter, that violin, that keyboard, that... And so I'll say this to you, just from the theology of Genesis 1, there's white pages out there that need ink on them that won't have them unless you put ink on them. Mm -hmm. And the very nature of God creating things and then saying it's good is... is you're invited into that. Like mm -hmm. you're not just supposed to observe that, but you get to participate, not just observe, but participate in glory with God by writing a piece of music that no one's ever written before. Mm -hmm. And who cares if anybody listens to it or not? The way that we worship is to participate. And it's not like he waited for somebody else to say it was good. He said it was good. Mm -hmm. And so he invites us, I believe, to do something for its own sake, for an audience of one, and just say it's good and hear him say it's good. Yeah. I think with hobbies, I mean, I'll just, here's a confession. You know, I've been painting more lately, and I, my wife caught me on it. Um, I, she, she was appreciating my painting. Oliver, you were appreciating my painting, mm -hmm. like just encouraging me That's on great. it. Like, oh, these are so great. 
and I um, I grew in guilt as I painted. And so weird, right? And I grew mm. in guilt. I was painting them for City Lights to communicate a sermon point, and um, but I grew in guilt. And I I, th- I thought about later, and I just I just tried to let my heart just flow. Like, what are you feeling? Let's let's announce it. And I told my wife, I go, I'm wasting time. Mm. Literally, what I said. And she went, she got big eyed, and I went, oh, I heard it. And mm. I realized that because I'm doing a hobby, if I can't tie my time to productivity, mm. effectiveness, benefit, monetary quotient, whatever, it was wasteful. And <laughs> mm. I mean, to understand biblical Sabbath is literally what I was doing, uh, you know, in some ways. If it's work for you, it's different. But that was just pure enjoyment for me that could benefit others. But I started measuring the benefit of others uh, yeah. as whether I should be spending this much time on it. And my wife rebuked me kindly. I remember you going like, goodness gracious, what's wrong with you? In a kind, in a, you know, like at a buddy, yeah. buddy way. But I just want to say God's redeemed everything. And we yep. need to be willing to engage, cease from production mm. and it have, have no, you know, monetary value right. or anything. And just cause I enjoy this. I, I know that that is more closely to what it means to genuinely rest mm-hmm. and Sabbath and, and that was God's intent. It will be what eternity uh, on the other side of life, yeah. death on life, it will be called Sabbath. And that is what earth was meant to be until rebellion happened. And Jesus actually left, God left Sabbath to redeem. And so when we hobby, like you're talking about, yeah. when we play and we actually call it good and and give ourselves to it good, we're actually demonstrating heaven on earth. So it's, yeah. it's real. That is a worshipful moment. So those of you who have... I will just say I'm I'm a I'm a recovering hobbyist, but hobby in moderation, yeah. enjoy in moderation. For some of you who are, you know, doing your hobby and it's dominating everything in relationships, you're not getting things done. That's different. But I don't know that our culture has that problem. Sure. <laughs> so I, my problem has been if it's not productive or monetary value, then I it's a waste, and that's I, I repent. You know, it's wrong. I think, and deep down inside, I think we all have that that fear, mm. which ultimately I believe stems with not understanding God's love for us, that's because right. we feel like if we don't do something and produce something now, we're only as good as the favor we just paid somebody else. And right. so I think it's just it's preaching crazy. a different narrative and worshiping to a different tune. Um, another thing that we could talk about is relationships. And of course, all of us have relationships. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is God put has put special, specific people into our life. Um, and one of the purposes he's done that, some, you know, and they're not, people are not perfect. And people do hurt sure. sometimes and do not reflect the glory of God sometimes. But nonetheless, we are designed to be with one another. And the withness that we have is predetermined is is designed with a with the notion of worship in mind mm-hmm. and i think w- the way that that probably manifests in all in, in in relationships is is within a relationship we are defining values uh, mm-hmm. all the time i know that's kind of like a it sounds like a leadership conversation or or maybe a government conversation or family conversation or whatever but we are we are deciding as friends what we like, why we're together, what mm-hmm. we don't like, what we why we exist to be together, the things that we celebrate and the things that we don't. You'll even notice that I think with different relationships, you'll find yourself celebrating different things. Yeah, you'll know whose friend, which friend to go to to <laughs> right. talk about basketball versus right. this problem or whatever. Right. And so all that's great. Each relationship will have different facets mm-hmm. of our experience here on earth, and that's a wonderful gift from God. But I guess the question really comes down to. But is worship a major part? And by worship, I mean worship of of Mm. the Lord, worship of Yahweh. In other words, has God come up in the conversation? Um, When we talk about a story, like we we had a friend that was recently in the hospital with their little baby boy, and and I'm just I'm asking myself in in that relationship, in the government, in the in the connection of that me and that person, 
is worship coming up? Is God being brought up? Are we thinking about, okay, what's God doing? Because reality is whether we identify it or not, he is the best thing in that story. And mm-hmm. so are we doing that together? Are we worshiping Yeah, together? so Oliver, I think that example is important. I wanna, I'm bringing, I'm passing it back to you in just a minute here. Um, yeah. Clarify, because you didn't say this, but I, I bet it's—I I bet it could sound like this to some. Mm. You know, did we worship in the hospital when our friend's son was there? Uh, is not us saying, um, walking in and saying, "Hey, God has a plan," or sure. going in and saying uh, the pat answers. Not and listen. Sometimes the, sometimes God is in control is what you need to say, and it's not a pat answer. It's truth, and it yeah. needs to be said. But could you could you just clarify? Great what worship looks like with our good friend and his son is not, it might not look like a Christian church service. Sure, <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. You know what I mean? So yeah. could you clarify that? Cause it's, I think you made a point that's so important and I, I want to make sure that our podcast listeners, it's impossible for them to miss it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to be in that specific circumstance um, with that relationship. I would want to be looking to him. And even if I don't have all of the answers, maybe it's just asking the question together, right? So like, I think what you're saying by church service is typically sermons should have a point. They should have an answer. They shouldn't be asking questions, but sometimes in life we don't have answers. And so maybe that worship service, so to speak, Mm -hmm. together with that person, I say that tongue in cheek, of course, is just asking together. It's just encountering or moving towards and seeking together. And and it won't necessarily have an answer or had, you know, a landing point. Yeah, I think one of the things that you just said made me think of this. We're just not forcing a Christianese agenda, but we are wanting to have permission to walk alongside that person in the kingdom of God in the midst of want. Mm -hmm. The little boy was at the hospital for three days, Mm -hmm. you know, and we were there day one. So it we're not going to get false hope because it sounds right. Right. And we're going to be there with and remind, Hey, we're in the kingdom of God. And listen, the scriptures account for suffering right now and it hurts. And so until, until we see breakthrough, I'm here, I'm, I'm present. You're not alone. God, God says you're not alone. And I'm going to be a physical reminder of you for that. And that's it. You know, you're not a doctor. You can't promise anything. So I just, I know what you mean. I've watched you practice it. And I just want to make sure that we as, as listeners understand what does worship look like? You know, when we see athletes, who, who say the F-bomb on the court and throw their mouth guard and have a cheap foul and have grumpy attitudes and scream at the ref. And then after the game, they go, um, they ask the first question, they go, I just want to thank my Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. And we're like, oh, he, man, that guy's a worshiper. No, 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 no. Yeah. The guy was out of control on the court, but he had an utterance. That, yeah. I don't think Derek Prince necessarily was making his comment about those people, but he's like, your attitude, if I was, if I was deaf and I only watched you, you show me your attitude but you want me to believe your utterance, and I don't. I don't see how those are connected. And not, listen, I'm not saying it's easy to be an athlete mm-hmm. and and be a, a worshiper, but I have watched athletes do it. Um, so anyway, I just yeah. that's a good topic. That's, a great that's all I'm saying. There's more to say on that, not for necessarily today, but that's a really good practical. Um, all of us have jobs to do and occupations, I guess. It doesn't necessarily have to be a nine to five. I suppose if we're raising children, that's a job. Sure um, if we are. Um, you know, caring for, for people, I, I suppose now we're stretching the meaning of job, but anytime that somebody has an expectation for us and we want to fill a role and be, you know, uh, invest our time into something, mm-hmm. serving at church is a job in mm-hmm. a way. Um, what does that look like? Especially if we don't feel like it, that's a really premier place. Whereas hobbies, we right. might usually feel like it right. work is the exact opposite. That's right. the, every time typically we don't feel like 
work, but we have joy in work in a certain other way. So what does it look yeah. like to worship and work? And of course, you know, I don't want to give the pat answer of, of just sort of worshiping unto the Lord or working unto the Lord. Um, but I will say, you know, I think that work is an opportunity, even in industrial society, when oftentimes we're not going to be seen, we're kind of managed by a time mm. clock, a punch in, a punch out. Our manager doesn't know us. We're not in artisanship anymore, and we don't have relationships in there. A lot of times there's opportunities for us in work to do things that people don't see, don't appreciate, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. don't recognize. And I just want to say, I feel like, in, at least in my journey and people that I know, that is such a room for worship sure because it it's a place where you're yeah. so isolated from accolades and applause and, mm-hmm. and not every one of us is an NBA player. And even NBA players, I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, they have their own silent, quiet moments where really work is done. You know, those are the rooms and the waiting rooms where we, where we are really put to put to test, so to speak, of, how, mm-hmm. you know, are we going to use that opportunity um, to to worship? And I think in that place, you know, we find the reward, the true reward is doing things with God um, unto Him, and we can walk away from those work experiences um, really f- getting more than a paycheck. And mm-hmm. we should be collecting more than a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Our time is worth so much more, no matter even if you're a doctor, lawyer, whatever, and you make so much money, mm-hmm. your time is still worth more because mm-hmm. worship is worth more. Mm-hmm. And you have an opportunity to leverage that moment, not for five bucks an hour, but to w- leverage it for worship unto the mm-hmm. Lord, which is so much more worthy for the kingdom and your life. Yeah. yeah. So in the workplace then, uh, if I'm a worshiper in workplace... It's one of my favorite passages in Scripture. It says, whatever you do, yeah. do it unto the Lord and work heartily unto Him. Sure. I mean, it, it helped me get through high school. It helped me get through college. It helped me study beyond that. It helps. It helped me when I worked in a printing factory. Uh, it helped me when I was cutting lawns. It helped me clean my room when I was young. I mean, genuinely, that was a motivator for me, not because He's watching me and holding me accountable, but because I went, I'll do it. I'll do something beautiful unto you because you're worthy of it. I had to be convinced of that, first of all. Mm-hmm. But then I became that. And I, you know what? It really starts to liberate you from accolades or head nods, et cetera. I mean, it genuinely, when you're doing it for him. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're, you know, you're in a healthy marriage and somebody pays you a compliment. I'm changing the subject. And somebody pays you a, comment, a compliment about the way you look. If that really stirs you up and you really get drawn into that, you realize, like, you have not actually been sustained as much as you thought you were in your marriage because that really validated you. My, my point in that yeah. is our, we could be vulnerable to praise and applause, and I think that potentially could be a diagnostic that we're actually not doing whatever that thing is we're getting applause for. Our identity really wasn't as rooted worship. as a worshiper. Yeah. And I do want to say it's kind of a bookend, but Jesus was and is and forever be, but on earth as we watched him and read about him, he was a worshiper I'd like to say he was the worshiper. Because when we say he's perfect, we usually look at moral and law. Mm-hmm. But he was not trying to be moral or lawful. Right. He was worshiping. So the posture right. of worship, you know, I don't I don't know that we have a a moment where Jesus sang songs or, you know, there's moments when he opened a scroll and, and taught in the synagogue, but those were few. He worshiped by having a conversation with people and he worshiped by mm-hmm. stopping and saying let's be at the wedding he worshiped by taking time to rest he worshiped by walking on water he mm-hmm. worshiped by raising the dead and like oh well, i want to worship by doing those things but so often in our christian circles worship is tied to a day a mm-hmm. circumstance a situation and within those i'll be emotional which then i will decide to be demonstrative or physically responsive if the circumstance and the situation's right, then it'll stoke an emotion, and then I will affirm you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's just like ah, that's why it's so good as a pastor to be freed up from that kind of 
fear of man and approval because look how listen how toxic that is. It's basically yeah. if you figure out how to push my buttons, right. I'll respond. That's a robot. That's that's not a relationship. Right. So if we think about ourselves as worshipers, work is an opportunity to worship uniquely. That doesn't mean it could listen. It could be saying have a blessed day for you. I'm not I'm not trying to diss you on that way, but I do think sometimes we use we think that we did the most worshipful thing by saying have a blessed day when mm-hmm. you probably should have just given that person a dollar tip for the venti mm-hmm. uh, macchiato rather than saying have a blessed day. They mm-hmm. would have because they're they're at work, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. Whether they're having a blessed day or not, I don't know. But that <laughs> money is something they're interested in. Sure. I'm, again, I'm not dissing you for saying have a blessed day or anything like that, but. What would it look like for me to be, I am a worshiper. Remember, those are two different Greek words, same root. Of someone who is an adorer. That's who I am. I'm a worshiper. Of what? You'll see. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when you ask the question in the beginning, what do you worship? You'll see what I worship. Yeah. It's what I value most. It's what I give myself to. And so I go to work. I do all these things too. What does it look like to be a worshiper while doing? Uh, so my challenge, you know, and Oliver, I'll hand it to you to close things off, but mm. spirit and truth worshipers always discover reasons to respond. And so I'm thinking of podcast listener, what if this week you in each moment, and I don't want you to be anxious about it, but every moment you can think of just say, Hey, what, what opportunity do I have right now to worship God and do, keep it between you and him? Sure. I don't want you to do it outward because you, you know, and like, Oh, I'll never, I'm always going to be private. No, that's not right either. <laughs> don't go to an extreme. Worship is meant to be public as well and corporate, but for your own journey this week, my only challenge would be seek an opportunity. I do think spirit and truth worshipers discover, proactively discover reasons to respond to God and say, you're good. Thank you. Wow. That's awesome. And uh, maybe you have a close friend, a spouse, or maybe your city group or whatever. Maybe you guys can do that together or go, Hey, let's go practice this. Let's go grab coffee at Starbucks and let's see if we can whisper to one another reasons for worship. Mm. And uh, so that'd be my challenge, Oliver. And I I really appreciate this conversation. It's been great. It's been one of my favorite podcast talks we've had because it's, it's practical yet it's theological and uh, it doesn't respect people's pseudo i think we put up fronts and personalities or reasons why we're not this or that and this Mm. this cancels them all and i just Mm. i don't know i appreciate god doing that because it's not our idea i just feel like god just continues to say hey that's not going to hold up in my court (laughs) and he's like oh shoot okay yeah i love you yeah well i i appreciate this podcast too and podcast listener the truth is that god is worthy of worship right um and it isn't a religious act or duty it is a natural response to who he is and who he's created us to be we're no more ourselves ever than when we are worshiping Mm -hmm. in spirit and truth, not just on Sundays, but all the time. And it's Mm -hmm. really cool to think about however old you are and how many years that you have left on this earth, there's more than enough to worship about for all the days of your life, including all the generations before and after. I mean, Mm -hmm. let that sink in for a second. We're not just singing the same songs uh, over and over. We are every day, every moment, discovering another uh, reason to worship. So I just invite you and bless you with the eyes to see your day, your month, your year, your future, mm-hmm. through the lens of a discovery of worship. Wow, mm-hmm. what could I figure out about God today? Mm-hmm. And what was he wanting to show me that mm-hmm. would naturally cause my soul to respond and rejoice and bless his name? Yeah. So we send Great. you with that. We just love you and bless you and look to see, uh, see you soon here on this podcast or at church. Adios. Adios.